Your church's graphics should be excellent without being expensive. Church Media HQ is a membership that gives you access to awesome church graphics and more with pricing options that fit any budget. You can view sample graphics and learn more at churchmediahq.com. Plus, get 25% off any membership for up to a full year with the promo code BRIAN. Visit churchmediahq.com today to get started. That's churchmediahq.com. You're listening to an ongoing discussion on life, leadership, and ministry. This is the Brian Sams Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Brian Sams Podcast. This is Brian Sams, your host, and... Uh, wow, what a what an amazing time to live in Florida. I'm recording this episode in sunny Florida, and it is 85 degrees, I think, today. 84, actually, currently 84 degrees, and uh, my pool will be activated this afternoon. My kids will be jumping in, and meanwhile, my guest today will be freezing in northwest Arkansas. <laughs> I am so excited to introduce uh, my listeners to really one of my best friends, somebody that uh, we have been friends for years now. Really, our relationship friendship goes way, way back, all the way till before I was even at, uh, in California and before he was pastor in his current church. And our, our guest is Pastor Noel Swinner, and he is the pastor of the Gospel Light Baptist Church in Rogers, Arkansas, which is northwest Arkansas the uh, Walmart capital of the world, one of the most dynamic and fast-growing areas of the country, and a lot of it is based around Walmart. But uh, he has there and taken a church. It's a wonderful story. So first of all, Noel, welcome to the Brian Sands Podcast. Well, first of all, that was just sick, the way you (laughs) opened it up. It is like 20-something degrees. We had not snow, but we had an ice storm, a thunder ice storm on top of that. So everything's blanketed in ice, and it's freezing, and you're getting ready to jump in the pool later. I am, I am. I'm not showing the video, but if you could see us right now, Noah is in a flannel, and I am in a Hawaii shirt, and it's all good. That's (laughs) exactly. In fact, I pulled up to the office this morning. One of our men was volunteering, blowing off the parking lot, and he's in shorts and a tank top, and he looked at me. Soon, The first thing he said to me is, Pastor... Aren't you glad to live in Florida? (laughs) I said, yeah, I am really glad to live in Florida. So, But you know what? Here's the cool thing. You don't have to be in Florida to have a hot church, man. That's for sure. Amen. I'm going to have you share some of your story in just a minute, and I'll introduce our topic in a second. But I will never forget the first time I walked into Gospel Light Baptist Church. I will never forget it. I don't don't remember exactly the year, but the, the moment... I flew in. It was a Friday night. We're doing Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday revival Mm -hmm. meeting. And I flew in. I got there basically in time to kind of gather my thoughts and get to church. And I walked into this auditorium. And every single person that you introduced me to, with no exception uh, of the hundred and some people that were there that night, uh, now probably, good night, probably 10 years ago maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. You were saying, "Hey, this is this is Jamie, and Jamie just accepted Christ as his Savior two years ago." And then, uh, right beside him was a, a, a relative or something. And then Jamie led this yeah, guy yeah. to Christ. And then here's Michael, and Michael just got saved. And here's here's uh, you know, and, and, and like it was so overwhelming that every single person I met had come to faith in Christ in just a few short years. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, these are all these people that I'm preaching to tonight. They're all new Christians. 
Mm. And God was and is using your church in a powerful way to rescue people. And my funny, the funniest part about that whole night, man, was was there was a guy that was going to church there, and he was Michael was his name, and Michael was yeah. kind of struggling. I think he still does, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of struggling mm-hmm. guy. Well, these old boys. Uh, they were at church that night, and they were fired up. Mike missed church, and uh, yeah, they yeah. went after him, didn't they? They did, man. They chased him down. <laughs> they chased him down. <laughs> they go out to his house and yep, rattle on his door, stirred the dogs up. It was great. Man. <laughs> Slammed him up against the wall. Told him they better he better get right with God and get to church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, this, I love it. This is the real deal, man. This is reaching people, and I. So what you're doing is phenomenal, and now the church runs. You were just telling me off the air, several hundred people and yeah. getting ready to expand and build. God's used you, man, yeah. in a great way, and I appreciate you. Well, I love, I love my redneck mafia, man, is what they are. And uh, it's such a fun story. You know, I grew up, and God dealt with me at 18, 19 about ministry, and I, I was a school guy for a while. And, you know, I did, and I enjoyed it, and I thought, yeah, that'll be, that'll be my, my calling. And uh, never really thought of myself as a preacher or desired it. And then um, in about 2000 and uh, really three, my world blew up. It was August, August the 9th. And I'm hosting an educator's things. Uh, Matt Williams is there teaching. And I've got these people in and I'm not even paying attention. I'm looking at my list of everything I got to get done in the next couple of weeks and, and uh, overwhelmed, working long hours. And then uh, one of the staff men came and got me and pulled me out. He's crying. The secretary's crying. And he says, uh, your wife and your boys have just been in a terrible accident. And right there, time stands still. And that summer leading up to it, I was out of balance, man. I, I worked so many hours for the church. And I'm not, that's my fault. I'm blaming me. I'm just, I'm out of balance. I'm, go, I'm a go-getter. And that summer, I, that week, I'd only seen my boys awake at church um, that week. This happened on a Friday morning. I woke them up Thursday night, I think late, played with them a few minutes, put them down to bed. They were uh, three and just about Kyle was 11 days before his fifth birthday. I go out to our accident. There was an accident that's there. Children's helicopters landing in the background. You know it's bad. My oldest son's got his head crushed in, bandaged up. My wife's just got blood all over my youngest son's got a broken arm and time just stopped. And God took that scenario. They go to Kyle goes to one hospital, Lucy and Cole go to the other hospital. My family's at different hospitals. And he began to just shake my world and shook our world. And uh, through those things, it's an incredible story. They, they put a soft plate in his head and he doesn't wake up for a few days. And I remember that it was a Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday morning. About 12 to 3, God just broke me. I mean, I, I wrestled with the Lord. I argued. And, and finally, I just surrendered on so many levels uh, to God. I just, Lord, I'll accept this. If he doesn't get better, if he doesn't wake up, if he's not the same, I'm giving him to you. I mean, you know, I'm going through all that. And and that was, I finished about 3 in the morning, man. I sit back, wash my face. And, and uh, all of a sudden, I turn over. And it's about 3.30, and he's, he hadn't opened his eyes in days. We don't know why. Doctors come by as he woke up. And I finally just break about 3 in the morning. 3, 3, 3.30, I look over, and he's just looking at me. His eyes are open. Man, I crawled up there close, and I, I put my face next to him. I said, Daddy loves you so much. I don't even know if he was with it or not, but he turned his arm around me. Man, I just bawled. I broke. And little did I know that that was going to be the beginning of a breaking year. God was tearing apart 
what I thought in ministry, what I was going to do. He was just, he was just crushing us. He was making this finer, you know, powder. And, and, and my, and from that accident, God was detaching me. I was in my hometown. My family's there. My home, you know, my friends are there and he's just stripping away all my connections, all my friends, all my everything. And, uh, and this was that process. He was working in me to get me ready to pastor. And I needed to be humble. I needed to be broken. And that brokenness has been the theme of our whole ministry. I just need to get my, I just need to get broken on a regular basis. It's mm-hmm. good for me. So uh, from there, Lucinda was injured, which I'll get into that, a result of her health things that are from there. My son's are injured, my oldest one a little bit more. 11 days for his fifth birthday, man. His head's still all scarred up. And man, I'm just broken. I thought, you know, God, I don't, what does this matter? What am I doing? And I mean, I'm in ministry, but I'm so out of balance. I, I mean, I think about those years before this, bro, I got a lot of wood, hay and stubble, man. Because mm. I did so much in the power of the flesh. So much me trying to make stuff happen. And God needed to break me. Because, you know, in those broken vessels, man, the Holy Spirit just flows in. And um, from there, he turns us upside down. And I, and I go and I have about two more, about another year of just getting humbled. He moves us uh, out of state to a ministry that was 180 degrees different philosophy. Uh, I was frustrated. And again, breaking and breaking and breaking. And finally, I remember telling Lucinda one night, I'm like, I don't want to be in ministry anymore, man. I just want to go home. I just want, I don't want to do this. But from that lowest, for me at that moment, breaking, God began to spring up something new. And and through my devotions, through prayer, just, you know, through some messages, and God called me to preach. I mean, and I was already, I'd teach and preach, but I mean, he called me to pastor. And I remember going in, I was scared to tell her because she didn't marry a preacher, you know, and, so I, I I come home one night, the boys are out back playing in the tree. She's cooking. I sit down at the table and I said, uh, I need to talk to you about something. And, uh, and she doesn't even turn around. She goes, yeah, I already know God's called you to preach. <laughs> and I just start crying. I'm like, what? what? And uh, she said, I've known for a long time. I just wondered when you were going to figure it out. So we just, man, we just cried. We booed. I shouted and now like, okay, well, what do I do? I don't know how to do this. I don't want to go start sending out my resumes. I don't want to promote myself because I'm a nobody. I have, I mean, I, I, I would teach classes and teach Sunday school church, but I have preached five times to adults at this moment in my life. And I, I, don't even, I don't even know how to come up with developed messages, man. You know what I mean? You know, you hand me my Sunday school material, I'll teach it. I'm horrible. I don't know what I'm doing. And we just begin to see God. And uh, it was really funny is the five times I preached to adults, two of them are in my current building. Isn't that amazing? The church I pastor in that building, hmm. one before it was gospel light. It was another whatever fledgling thing. And then for our first pastor who in the first month of our church, I come to see my in-laws. And so we got there in 2006. Uh, I got in by one vote. 17 voted on me and I got in by one vote again. <laughs> humbling right we were three or four building payments behind we had nine and a half percent interest we were on two septic tanks you could not flush the back ones uh because there was problems you could barely flush the front we had our insurance canceled and we had shut off notices on every utility and um i didn't have any salary we moved in i had a little savings right and i mean i didn't raise the, i had two three people that, that gave me two three hundred dollars a week and i remember i called my dad right and i said dad man we're we got a, we got a problem and he says, that was my first phone call, was from the banker. 
And uh, I see, he goes, what is it? And I told him all the problems. He goes, bro, you called the wrong father. You get on your knees and talk to your heavenly father. Oh. I can't do nothing for you. <laughs> yeah. Called the wrong father. Oh, oh man. Hey, I want to stop it. here. I want to stop here real quick because yeah. I, I just, this is a, this is a drum preacher that I beat and I'm going to keep beating it because I oftentimes run into men like you, friends, church builders, pastors, all these young guys out there listening to this podcast, looking for a ministry opportunity, looking for a paycheck sometimes, looking for a position. Yeah. That's not usually how this thing starts. Mm-mm. And if you're going to, you, you got to know you're either called or you're not. You're either going to, you're either yeah. going to follow God or you're not. You're either going to follow a paycheck. You're going to follow a denominational identity. You're going to follow the expectations yep. of the preacher, whatever. At the yep. end of the day, if you don't follow Christ mm-hmm. and be willing to do whatever he wants you to do, I don't know how useful you're going to be in the first place. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, I mean, just that. I mean, you guys moved into the nursery, right? Am I right about that? Yeah, we lived. And again, it's, I couldn't have done that had God not humbled me. I right. needed to be humbled or I couldn't have done that. Yeah. And so that was the first of many humblings I needed in my life. And so we move in and we stayed a few weeks with my in-laws in a little bitty two-bedroom trailer. So here's my young family. And it's just, I told this son, I said, look, I can get a job and it's going to take a little longer. Uh, but I got a little money saved. We can move into the building and uh, I, I think we can just go all in. And I love my wife so much. She was like, let's move in. So we lived in what is, we've redone it since you've been asked. It's our offices now, but we lived in, man, like three, 200 square, 200 square feet, 250 square feet. We lived in that thing for six months, man. We had this little partition, our beds were jammed in. I'm trying to lay in bed at night. My boy's like, dad, are you awake? And I'm like, shut up, go to sleep, man. We lived in there. And then we moved upstairs and went about a thousand square feet and we renovated that. And we stayed there for a year. So we were a year and a half in the building, man. We had squirrels. We had rats. I didn't say mice. Rats, squirrels, birds, possum. I mean, um, it's insane, the animals that lived in the building with us in those early years of a beat-up old building. Mm. And so that was, two, what, what year is that, 20, 206? That was 2006. So here we are. Here, so, yeah. Yeah, so now we're 2022. So you've been there 16 years almost. Yeah, 16 years this summer, end of May, early June. Congratulations. Man, the way to go. God. God is good. And, and, and I mean, uh, now, I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating. This is a, this is now, from that, this is a thriving, yeah. dynamic, yeah. soul-winning church where people are, are saved. And now you've got the reputation over the last years that, that other Christians yeah, who yeah. love the Lord are now partnering with you and you, you know, you have some stability with certain families. I remember yeah. when that, I remember when that kind of turned a little bit, not that, yeah, you ever, yeah, yeah. not that you ever want to ever stop reaching people, of course. But I mean, I, I remember when, yeah. you know, solid families started joining. We were just talking about this off the air here because mm-hmm. we're, I'm 11 years behind you uh, in my yeah. church. And, and sometimes it's easy to get discouraged in the first six or seven and think, man, is there ever anybody besides... <laughs> Somebody that's a meth. Man, look, I, I'm living in a building and people are knocking on the door random hours, right? You know what I mean? It's just, it's a craziness, those stories that are there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, living in a building and, and again, I mean, we were trying to be so careful with the utilities, but those are miraculous stories, man, because like, I remember uh, one time I preached, man, I had a hundred dollars in my name, Brian. I had nothing, man. I sold a vehicle. I'm down to nothing. I got a hundred dollars. I'm like, all right, God, I got a hundred dollars. 
I don't, what do you want me to give anything today? He's, and Lord's like, give it all. So I dropped my last $10. I mean, I'm selling stuff. I mean, you know, I got nothing left. Now I preached my guts out to like 25 people and there wasn't much to preach, but I preached my guts out to 25 people. And I had this sharp guy that was this visitor, you know, and uh, I'm shaking hands on the way out the door and he just reaches in my pocket and puts something in there. And he goes, man, that's not for the church. That's for you. And I want you to know, God knows he sees you mm. and he's going to take care of you. Be faithful. Well, I think that's an angel unaware, man. So he leaves. I wait there. Everybody else is gone. I reach my pocket. It was like $400. I'm like, thank you, God. <laughs> we had so many of those stories, man, that were unreal. We had a Christmas and we're in the building and my wife is like, we got nothing for the boys. What are we going to do? And we just reached across the bed. We prayed. We said, God, if you don't want us to have anything, the boys, that's fine. But Lord, if you give us something for them, we cried out to God and man, I'm working. I go to check the mail out later that day. There's a church in North Carolina I'd never been to. I've never been to, no nothing. There's $1,300 in the mail. That stuff was happening all the time. And to be honest with you, I'm glad for the people. I'm glad that two services are jammed out. But there was something special about those days where we were so desperate. If God didn't come through, we were mm. through. Mm. And then while we're in the middle of all that, health starts to come apart. And it started off with Lucinda. And from the wreck and her injuries, she had um, damage to her spine and neck. She's had surgeries. And, of course, we lost our health insurance when we came. And uh, we got nothing, man. And we're going to the doctors, and we're trying to have therapies. And and what happened for her, the way our, our neurologist described it, is she hurt so bad that it would start spilling over. When it would spill over, she would go into seizures. Remember the first time or two you have them, and then they're going to be with two, three seizures a day, and then medicines and surgeries. And then, Brian, there was one year, I am not exaggerating, we broke 1,000 for the year in seizures, 1,000 seizures in a year. And you're traveling, man. We're, we're tearing up. We're going to Little Rock. We're making, you know, three-hour trips. And, man, I don't have any money. There was, I remember one month, I ran $1,000 a short personally in my, in my world, but God sustained us. And, and it was hard and I don't know what to do. There's times where, you know, I FaceTime her in those old days before we had, you know, uh, we were online or had cameras and I'd watch her have seizures while I'm preaching back home or she's had seizures in the church and the boys are giving me the sign like one's about to come and I'd move over to one side of the auditorium and try to direct attention or pray and they're sneaking her out. And I mean, it was just incredible. I mean, of those days and yet people are coming in the doors and they're getting saved and, you know, I mean, we got ruffins and I'm loving them and they're loving us deeply. And uh, and and yet now in our personal world, it's like more pain and, you know, more humility for us. We really claim Second Corinthians chapter 12 when Paul talks about that thorn and lest I should be exalted above measure, above measure for the abundance of the revelations. We know in Paul's world, God had shown him so much. He had to keep him humble. But God was doing so much in our world that I, I needed a thorn. It was she needed a thorn, and and we've had to come to accept because we she still battles health, and I'll get into my health. But I mean, last year was good. There was just a handful of seizures, and she still has health struggles all the time. But God just pushes that thorn into us just a little bit every once in a while to keep us grounded, to keep us rooted. Why? Because my grace is sufficient, for mm -hmm. my strength is made perfect in weakness. I don't do half the stuff I should be doing or I know to do, but God just keeps blessing because mm. we're so weak and we're so dependent upon him. Mm. I remember 
it will probably spill over into some some I want to get yeah. to some sustaining elements, but I think it's worth before we even get into your stuff. Yeah. I remember that. I remember you telling me that. In fact, I would say the first two years I preached there, I maybe only saw Lucinda once. I mean, correct, like, correct. I mean, let me try to capture this from an outside perspective for the listeners. Here's a preacher describing his wife having three surgery, three seizures per day for an entire year. <clears throat> when I came, Lucinda, I remember the first time I came, she was kind of bedridden a little bit. She was, yes, she was yes. at like needs to lay down, lights out. Yep, you yep. are, you are pastoring the church. You are. Um, Doing the laundry, homeschooling. You're homeschooling yeah, your boys. Man, I'm doing it all, man. And it she's, wasn't pretty. She's out. I mean, and and yep, and not yep. because she didn't want to be, but physically, literally. Right, right. I was with you one night when she had a seizure. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. We ate dinner. You know, I don't remember if you. Yeah, we had another one one time when you were just finishing up preaching, and maybe we had people say that day. And I left you, and I rushed home because she was having them over and over, and the lady staying with her couldn't get to stop. And I left you shaking hands, and I ran out the door, ran home. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, I just this was like part. This was this was what you were facing. It wasn't like yes. every once yes. in a while my wife was having trouble. Yeah. This was, was every day. consistent, persistent for years. And she would be simplified after she had one. Like uh, she couldn't talk a little bit at first. Her brain was cloudy, and she would be simplified. Uh, her words like "No, I need go bathroom," and it didn't sound like her. It was a simplified version of her after those. And so, I mean, just to be real, it was. I, it's lonely. You don't have your wife with you. Mm. Um, you feel like you're a single parent at times. Um, I mean, again, I come in exhausted and the boys are like, what are we eating? I'm like, call Domino's. (laughs) 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 It's just those moments. And you're just so wore out. You're so weary. And I struggled. I, 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 a couple of times I thought I should resign Mm. because I'm not being a good pastor. I'm not being, you know what I mean? I'm not doing what I should. And I called my dad again. Thank God for my dad. And I said, Dad, I'm thinking about resigning. He said, well, how come? I said, well, look, I'm not a good pastor. I can't take care of Lucinda and take care of the flock. And he goes, so you're going to go get a job and be gone from my house 40, 50 hours a week? Yeah. And he said, God put you there so you could still preach and you could take care of her. He goes, this is of God. Mm. But I struggled because I felt like I wasn't here again. There's flesh. Like I wasn't doing enough. Mm. And God was trying to say, hey, look, it's me in you. You know, again, so much what, hey, and stubble, let me humble you. Let me do it through you. Mm. And so, man, there was times like, I'm just, I don't even know. Just God just kept showing up and God kept doing everything. And we just struggled. I mean, financially, at one moment, I remember we were, um, and this is how God is. I mean, we moved out of the building, now I'm renting a house. And uh, I got no equity left to buy anything because I spent it all living in the building, right? I, got, I mean, I, you know, I got sold everything, man. I got nothing hardly. And so I feel like God gives me this liberty, like, man, you can buy a house, you can do something that I've written. And, um, and, and so everything just falls through. So I'm out making a visit one night and this guy calls me and he says, Hey, uh, you, you've been reaching, you've really helped reach some of my family. And I just want to tell you, thank you. I'm like, well, I'm going to praise the Lord. And he says, uh, I know a little bit about you. They've told me a little bit of your story. And he said, um, I want to help you. I said, okay. He said, I know you're trying, you guys want to buy a house, right? I said, he said, yeah. He said, well, I've got a bunch of them. Why don't you just come pick out one? I'm like, well, do you don't understand? I don't have any down payment. I don't have anything. He's like, yeah, I don't really care. Just come pick out one and stay there for a few years. Then save up some down payment. We'll redo it later on. And I'm like, what? And I'm thinking he's messing with me. And he goes, and don't you have some debt? 
I said, yeah, I got a little medical debt. He goes, how much? I said, about 30 grand. He goes, okay, I'm going to write a check for that too. And I'm like, well, then I said, 30. He goes, yeah. I start crying. I'm like, what? So I called and said, no, I'm about making business. Oh, baby, we just bought a house. She's like, what? What? Like, we just bought a house. She's like, where? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where it's at, but we bought a house. And she's like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, we don't have any more medical debt. It's gone. And we're crying. And, and well, I believe about a house. I don't even know what neighborhood I'm in, right? And, <laughs> and that's God. Oh, yeah. But again, he just had to keep humbling us. Hey, and, I wanna, I wanna, but it was bad. This is so good. Oh, you just said it's bad. I said it's good. <laughs> it, <laughs> listen, I think this is true, man. If you tend to God's actual business, He's yeah. going He's going to take care of yours. And like even me recently, just thinking about some things at the church, thinking about how money, use of money, and other things. Mm-hmm. Just it's like once again another revival of this is all about souls. This is all about yep. the Great Commission. This is all, and I think when you do that, you'll start seeing. God will supply the need. He's gonna see. He's gonna find a way to surround you with people who know yeah. Jesus and know yeah. the needs and have the means, and He's gonna be able to take care of you in a powerful way if you trust Him. And this Christian businessman does not go to my church. I mean, you know, but he here's some family members he's praying for, and because they're getting help, then he's excited. That's an answer to his prayer, and he hears a story, and now he's involved. It's mm. it is insane, man. Hey, I want to um, talk about. I want to talk a little bit here, uh, man. We're gonna. We'll just go. We'll keep going. We got. Uh, this is this is going great. I'm sorry. Man. Well, no, 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 no. I I use about thirty minutes. This is just going into overtime. So, um, I want to talk about the the role of prayer and fasting uh, Let's do in it, your man. church <laughs> and specifically with your wife, because yeah, yeah. here's here's let me give you the backstory. This is the innocent guest preacher backstory. I'm flying mm. from Los Angeles to Northwest Arkansas on a Friday to preach this first night, this first meeting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said, Lord, you know, what do you want me to preach? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know these people. And I just get, it was put on my heart to preach on Matthew 17. I've been thinking a lot about it because I'm almost there in my church. I'll be there in about yeah, two yeah. weeks. And uh, that this kind goes out, not out, but by prayer and fasting. So mm-hmm. I preached a sermon that night on the importance of fasting and revival. And, you know, well, man, the, it just was one of those moments where... Blew up. Yeah, yeah, God touched down unquestionably in mm-hmm. the service. Mm-hmm. And basically, I don't know if I brought it up, who brought it up, but we, we basically started talking about your mm-hmm. wife. Yep. And yep. essentially, the short of the story was, hey, if we believe God... And we believe God's able to answer prayer through fasting. Then maybe we should start praying for Pastor's wife mm-hmm. for her health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where that's where a real spark hit. So in my world, I don't. I call it play at fasting the day here, and I probably did more skipping meals than I did seeking God. Right, <laughs> but through her sickness, God led me my first time on an extended fast, and I I went about twenty. I went twenty days. I picked 20 friends and I asked them, would you take this one day? And I didn't tell them about the whole big story. I called 20 friends and said, I need you to fast with me on this day for my wife's health. And, and we saw God lift it up. It got better. It didn't go away, but it eased. And God was teaching me something personal on my journey. I had not really preached about it or taught the church. It's just me. And again, God's stirring in this and then you show up. And you were the cheapest guest preacher we ever had because I didn't have to buy any meals for you while you were there, man, because you were fasting as well. <laughs> So uh, hey. we were there, and and you were like, like, "What do you want to eat at?" You're like, "Man, I'm I'm fasting. 
I'm like, no, come on, man. I'm fasting right now. I mean, I was getting ready to break my fast to take you out. And, and, and God just got in that thing. And I remember we talked about, let's do a little workshop. I don't know, between services, Sunday afternoon or evening on, on fasting. I put out like 10 or 15 chairs and we had 150 people show up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, my mind was blown. I'm like, wow. This was, so the first sermon was Friday night. This yes. was two days later, an additional, yeah, yeah. An additional yeah. session that you just decided we're going to do. Yeah. And I, I can say I put out 10 or 15 chairs and 150 people showed up, 125, whatever. And they packed it out. And our church began a journey of fasting. Right now we do a February fast every year. And uh, collectively as a church, we're going to miss about this year, 1,250, 1,300 meals together. And we get to, everybody turns in one prayer request, only get one. And then we, we, we fast together and we seek God intentionally. And man, we have miraculous things. People like I've been praying for this family member 30, 40 days. We got babies in the church, bro. We got babies that were fasting babies where our church got it like, God, you got to give them a baby. So we got babies. We got, we got people that got saved. And again, that ebb and flow, even in my world. Every time things get tough, I know it's my check engine light. I'll go fast for a while and God eases it. And he has never taken away, but there's a tie. Again, the, the, you know, I went through my leukemia in, in 2012 as well. And again, God was weakening me some more. So between Lucinda and now my leukemia, and it's just insane. But the weaker we got, the greater God was. The more we, you know, afflicted ourselves in that prayer and fasting, the more that God did. And he has done a great story and great things. Yeah. I remember, uh, the first time it, during one of those that Lucinda, the first time I remember seeing her come yeah. to church and Yeah, I just thought to myself, are you kidding me? This is a miracle. I mean, here, here, this is, this is like Matthew 17 right, here, right here. It's wide yeah, open. Yeah. And yeah. guys, I mean, you know, HB Charles has the book. It happens after prayer. Think about that. Yeah. It happens mm. after prayer. Mm. What? What yeah. all of it, it anything, it. and here yeah. we are going to church growth seminars. Here we are trying to read a book on how to build a Sunday yeah, school, and what God's already told us. <laughs> He's already mm -hmm. told us. Mm -hmm. You pray, you fast. Yeah. Oh well, let me see. It said like this: I plant, I water, and God gives the uh -huh. increase. You yeah, plant it. the word, you water it in prayer and service and ministry. And God rains down on that. And we, and right. I, I mean, I, I could, we could, we could probably, we should write a book together about what God mm. has done. In fact, my daughter, my, 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 that's, oldest, right. that's how it that all started with powerful. me. That's how, that, I remember that was a story. That was a story. And I mean, I, yeah. I've never shared that story on the podcast, but we, I oh, did it, I did man. a Daniel 10 fast yeah, in yeah. September, in, in June of 2000, I'm sorry, June of um, 2007. And, First week of July, God opened the door for us to adopt Adriana. That was, you know, fourteen, almost fifteen years ago, and I believe it. I just, yeah. And, and I, I, it's not a rabbit's foot. It's not a magic wand. It, what it is is it's it's God's people in obedience to His Word, humbling themselves, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. setting themselves in desperation for Him. And and yes. I'm, I'm going to yes. leave a couple of recommendations for books in the uh, the show notes. Uh, Elmer Towns' book on fasting is mm -hmm. really, really good. Uh, J. Harold Smith, the old preacher, mm -hmm. had one on fasting. It was excellent. Do you have any other? Do you have another recommendation, real quick? On that? Yeah, Ronnie Floyd also has a book on fasting that was good. I read. I try to find something new every time. Um, I even picked up uh, another one recently. 
and kind of went through it a little bit. Uh, you know, it was okay, but got to the thought or two, and I, I can't remember who that was, but but Floyd's was good. Ronnie we used Floyd. that one a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so I would, I just want, you know, if you got questions about this and even specifically the February fast, and I'll have Pastor Swinner's email address in the show notes as well, so you could reach out to him, and I hope you will. But there's one more piece oh, of yeah. this, and then I'll, then I'm going to mm-hmm. try to bring this to a conclusion because you and I could literally talk all day about this, but uh-huh, uh-huh. you just, I mean, you mentioned almost in passing here my leukemia in 2012, almost <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I bought a car in yeah. 2012. Well, yeah, yeah. so, so in the midst of all of this, yeah, you, in the midst of all dying. this, I was, again, I was so tired. I mean, I'm trying to take care of Lucinda, the church. It's all getting too big for me. That's a key phrase. It's getting too big again for me. God's teaching me. It's not, you know, and, uh, we go to the doctor for her and, uh, I said, well, let me get some blood work. I'm going to wore out. And uh, he called back again, said, we need to rerun that blood work. He called back again and goes, yeah, you got leukemia. And I remember those words. It was March the 12th, um, 2012. And I remember because I'm sitting in my car, and I thought, oh, my soul. What, what? And then my first thought was, how can I take care of Lucinda and the boys and the church? And God began to go on my journey, and he just, again, got me weaker and weaker. I'd always had pretty good energy and you know, it is. You, you, we almost brag on the lack of sleep sometimes, foolishness at times. But again, all of a sudden, man, I went from sleeping like six hours to seven to eight to nine to 10 to 11 to 12. I'm soaking the sheets, man. Like, you know, you see the dead body chalk outline. I'm soaking the sheets, man, every night. It was nasty. And when I'm doing the laundry, I got to change my own laundry and uh, my own sheets. And, and, and I got where I, I couldn't even think straight. I mean, I was so tired, so overwhelmed again. I'm just weepy. And um, I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. And, you know, I had an old preacher in my life. He's in heaven now. And I said to him, I said, man, I just need you to be my preacher. I need you to help me, walk me through stuff. And I just leaned on him. And, 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 and I'd be so overwhelmed. Like one time again, I said, I think I just need to resign. And he said, if I was the devil and I could get you to whoop you through sickness of you and the, your wife, because I'd just wait till you got better and I'd attack you then again the same way that's the way I whooped you the first time. So I'd be the way I whoop you the next time. He said, you might as well go ahead and stay and fight now. You know what I mean? Just those words is stirred up in me, man. And uh, so finally I got my white blood cell count. I think it's supposed to be between like three and 10. And I got up to like 180 or something. I was so fatigued. And now I go in and start treatments, right? And so I'm so stupid. I'm trying to, I scheduled my first treatment. I'm so stupid. I scheduled counseling. Like, so I'm trying to counsel. I'm in the, I'm in the chemo room sitting across from somebody trying to counsel. I started having a reaction to it. Right. I'm like, I can't breathe. My, you know, and I'm burning on the inside and I'm like, sorry, counseling is over. It was so, I'm so stupid. But anyways, God, um, worked through and, and, and I was able to go very conservative in my treatment and, uh, man, my, my doctor, she is a strong saved lady and she'd preach at me. She'd say, preacher, your only two jobs is prayer and the word. Why are you doing all this for? And I'm like, hey, stop preaching and just give me my medicine, you know. But God just, again, he needed to weaken me some more. And uh, the weaker I got, the more he started sh- just showing up in every area. And you cannot deny it's God in our church. I'm, nobody can take credit for what's happened. It's just God. Mm. You know, Sunday morning, over 400 people packed out. I just look around every once in a while. I'm thinking, how did we get here? How do we get here, man? We got no room and we need more. And two services are jammed. And I'm thinking about a third service until we can have room. And I'm like, how did this happen? I just cry sometimes. How did this happen, man? It's just God. Mm. And he just weakened us. And we get desperate and we have to seek him through prayer and fasting. And 
That's just the story. And I'm how, scared. How is uh, your leukemia? I mean, you have leukemia. Yeah. yeah. Right now, currently. Um, so I, I, same kind that your father-in-law had. Yeah. And uh, so they would call it, It's it's been, they would call it a little bit of remission, though it's not curable. Um, so I get my blood work checked and um, it's kind of in hell holding pattern. And I do okay unless I get stupid and I get stupid on regular occasions. Okay. <laughs> So, but what, again, what, what God's kept doing is when I start trying to go too hard, I get down again and, he, and I have to back off and God keeps saying, stop it, Noel, stop mm. it. This is, this is me. It's not you. Why do you keep trying to go back and make stuff happen and, you know, quit working harder and pray harder, you know, and, and that's the lesson I have to be reminded of on regular occasions because my flesh wants to rise up and make it happen. And God just needs to twist the knife and push the thorn in a little bit more. So, I mean, at the moment, it's okay. My white blood cell counts are slightly elevated at the moment, but hey, that's life, right? Well, uh, not for everybody, man. I think, I just want to say I appreciate the testimony. It's a, It's been a huge challenge to me. I think on so many levels, you got the faith to go, the the endurance of affliction, really, and then just the story of giving God the glory. And it's powerful. If you're ever in Northwest Arkansas, you have to go. It's I'm a, serious. It, it, it's just, uh, a, you want to, I mean, it, it's not impressive. Um, mm. And I don't say that disrespectfully. You, no, it's okay. You drive down this neighborhood, there's houses on one side of the street, and then there's uh-huh. just this relatively older looking Baptist yep. church building. It's all it is. It's yep. not big, it's not fancy. Yep. But it's beautiful on the inside. There's been a lot of great work done, but more importantly is the amount of people's lives have been changed. And mm. if you go there, there's a couple guys. You text me if you're going, and I'll tell you exactly yeah, who on. you need to go see. Don't forget about Jason. Jay, oh my, Jason Hudson mm-hmm. Pillar. Jason Shout Nicky, out to yeah, mm-hmm. he's listening, I'm sure. And old Jamie, Jamie, I tell Jamie. you, Jamie gets me fired up just thinking mm-hmm. about him. Mm-hmm. These are people that have been rescued there, and they're wonderful men of yeah. God now. Um, hey. We're going to just take a couple more minutes here, Noel. Uh, maybe I mean, we've talked, obviously, about prayer and fasting. We've talked about um, just counsel from preachers has come up. Mm-hmm. Your, your dad, who went to heaven recently. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, yeah. And I July miss 2nd. Him. Uh, this, uh, so you got counsel. you got, you know, a little bit of just grit, you know, obviously, that I'm just going yeah. to keep doing what God... Any other, you know, ministering during suffering, <laughs> any any other advice you give, things that have kept you going? Okay. I had to learn to allow the church family to minister to me. What I mean by that, that's always hard for me because I'm not a taker, I'm a giver. I serve them, they don't have to serve me. I'm I'm nobody, man. And like it was humbling to let church people come in and clean my house or we're gonna bring you meals. I'd say, no, no, we're good. And they're like, no, we're showing up anyways. And people just still they still bring meals. I'm like, we're okay. They just do it. And they want to serve us. And it's so humbling, man. And it was hard for me to allow that at first because I'm like, I don't want everybody to come in. And not that I'm hiding anything, but like, I'm just, I'm just a mess, man. We're just surviving. And these people that were in a mess as well are ministering to a guy who's in a mess, but a different kind of mess. And they so ministered to us. And it it took me a while to learn to allow that. Um, it, It, I also realized that God opened up another mission field to us. I have a crazy amount of cell phone numbers of doctors. And uh, I preach a doctor's funeral. I've led office managers to the Lord. One doctor would always schedule us before lunch. 
And at lunch, he'd take me to his office. We'd talk Bible. We'd talk about bitterness. Um, Lucian is talking to the nurses, and I preached his funeral. Another one's talking to me about struggles and depression in his own life. So realize that God opens up another mission field to you through suffering. And there's people all around you. Because, you know, again, you go back to first or Second Corinthians chapter 1. He talks about that grace where I comfort you, you comfort others. And I did not understand hurting people, nor did I have I didn't have maybe a little sympathy, but not empathy. But when you start seeing that and you suffer a little bit, I say suffer lightly, but you feel a little bit hurt. Then all of a sudden you look around and there's people everywhere and you're touching lives that you couldn't before. So again, everybody needs a pastor. I think, um, I think you look for the mission field. You allow God's people to minister to you, which that was personally very hard for me. And, um, and then I think you have to accept the form. Like everybody wanted to fix this force, and I did too. Try this doctor. Go to Mayo Clinic here. Try this. You know, here's an old, you know, home remedy. But at the end of the day, the oh, essential oil doctors got you. Didn't yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I like my essential oil, my Chick Fil A uh, uh, soaked in essential oils, right? So <laughs> they they want to help us, but I, I, we had to get to a place that we accepted it, and it was a process. This is our journey. This is what you're allowing. And we had to surrender to that. Yeah. And uh, once we did, then, okay, this is not my enemy. It's my friend because it pushes me to God. Mm. So I'm, I'm thankful for it because it's, I wouldn't be, I'd be so full of pride, Brian, if I didn't have these things in my life to keep knocking me down and, you know, and hurt. So, and I'm thankful for good friends. And I, I know I'm going to be careful in our time, but like, guest preachers like you coming in, you'd minister to us. We had one preacher, you'd know his name. He came over one day and he sat in a rocking chair in our bedroom. Lucinda was in bed. She was below, she was under like about 80 pounds. And he'd sit in a rocking chair and he'd sing and cry. And we'd just cry. We'd just sit and cry. He just ministered to us. Another preacher came over and he sits on our couch with us. He just, he just ministered to us. So preacher friends so poured into us that they sustained us, man. Mm. And God would send us by those fresh breaths of air into our world to keep us going. Mm -hmm. So allow God to use his people to minister to you, I think is important. Amen. My goodness. Well, it's a wonderful story. And, uh, you know, if you're going to be in ministry for any length of time, you're going to suffer a little bit in some way. You know, it might be physical, it might be financial, it might be just the burden of the church. Uh, That's kind of been my story here. I mean, just the beat the beat, the wearing out of yeah. a divided flock, you know, or whatever. And yeah. I, I think we all need to learn better how to suffer well. So, man, thanks for your time today, and you're a blessing. Thank you. I'm sorry we haven't seen each other in nah. some time, but, uh, you know, you're, you're going to really help some guys. And so uh, thank you guys for listening today. This is Brian Sams, and we look forward to our next conversation on life, ministry, and leadership. God bless.